0: Welcome once again, everybody, to another edition of After Further Review Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey. As always, we're going to talk a lot of football today, and that means we have to have our good friend Derek Abbott, assistant football coach at the Coast Guard Academy, former college football quarterback. And uh, if folks, if you wanted to hear NHL, NBA, NCAA basketball talk today, you ain't going to get it. Um, as much as I'd like to spend hours talking about James Harden and how he may be the uh, he may have two things going for him at the end of his career. He'll be in the Hall of Fame and he will have played for more teams than any other Hall of Famer. I think that's what we look forward to. Can,
1: can I ask you one question, Johnny? I have to ask you one question and and, and Derek, if you, if you follow this at all. Why why are people saying this is unprecedented? Didn't they have the same thing in Oklahoma City, with K, with KD Harden and Westbrook? Now I know Westbrook's not as great of a point guard, quote unquote, as as Kyrie Irving is. Right. But at least he played. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> I mean, what's what's the? It, it, I'm not hearing any comparisons to that because they had basically that big three essentially, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago.
0: No, I have no answer for that. I I, have exactly that I kept hearing, unprecedented. And all all I just keep thinking about is that's what people are doing now. They're gathering together these superstar teams. We'll see if it works out for them. Um, Our good friend Colin Cowherd may not be our good friend. uh, He he said, you know, it, it makes them really interesting. Does it make them a championship team? Probably not, but at least makes
1: them interesting. And, and can I'll throw this out to Derek as well and you, Johnny? Why, you know it seems to be that it's okay for GMs to put together these huge super teams, but if an athlete does it, verboten. Wrong. Well, and, horrible. So if, and, if 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 LeBron puts together that, oh well, Michael never had to do that. But if a GM does it, it's like great. Which the GM for the Bulls. Jerry Krause, RIP, didn't end well for him, obviously, but at one point he put that together.
2: I don't watch basketball. I know it's magic in five.
0: All right. Fair enough. enough. Uh, well, and if people and look it all, it illustrates, though, really, to me, the, in the NBA, we know the stars have the power it, more so than any other sport. So the stars have the power in the NBA and I, I'm, whatever. I'm I'm fine with that. Whatever whatever works for them. But, uh, you know, we shall see. But James Harden, man, talk about, you know, it, that's it, it's the equivalent. If you talk about the NFL, James Harden is something like, a, you know, who's a who's a guy who it's like it, it would be like if Dan Marino. Had been traded around everywhere because he'd been on teams. You know, they got close. They could never quite get there. Sometimes they'd uh, over underachieve. He took obviously criticism because they thought you know he set their running game back. So if he'd have moved around, you never would have seen that in the NFL. Even today, you wouldn't see that sort of thing. Basketball is just a different
2: animal. All right, let's enough. I don't think you ever will. No, it's too much of a team game in football. Basketball, you could take over one player and go to the finals right football you need all 53 guys on that roster to make it work and it's just in the careers are much shorter there's injuries the contracts are far different you can't compare the two no
0: no you really can't the only place i'd I'd like to see the nfl really come i i think uh, contracts should if not be fully guaranteed i think more of that money should be guaranteed for guys um in, in the NFL. I think it had changed the structure a little bit. Anyway, uh, we could talk about that all day. We could also talk about what, what could be done to prevent Alabama from ever winning another national championship, which would make many of us very, very happy. By the way, this year's recruiting class for Nick Saban considered
1: to be his best ever. So just, just let on that some sit. level, on some level, John, at this point, it's like go for it. I, just I, just no. become so amazingly great. Why not and, and, and Cowhart? Our good friend Colin Coward, maybe, may not be our good friend, uh, thought that why why isn't he getting more of a look? Is it because of one season at Miami? I saw that. No, he was nine and seven the first season.
0: I, to be honest with you, I don't know if at this point Nick Saban would want an NFL job. Why, why get that headache? Wow. Why not just continue to write this legacy in Tuscaloosa? Granted, you live in Tuscaloosa, so there's a downside. But, you know, eventually <laughs> you could buy Nebraska. The shore, By the end of his career, he could probably buy Nebraska if he'd want it. Or, you know, maybe a, a better state, one of the Dakotas. or You,
2: you know what the, the most impressive part about Alabama's run is not only the ability to recruit these five-star kids, but also keep those five-star kids throughout their entire run and Seriously. I, think it's like, I think it's such a, a tribute to their culture and, and their process and how they do things on a day in and day out basis because you have guys that are the best of the best from wherever they come and now you're going to a school where you are now competing versus the best of the best I, I played against a running back that was an Alabama a running back from Dr. Phillips his name was D Hart um, he was a fantastic running back in high school um, really one of the best players I've ever seen live um, at the high school level, and especially in Florida, he went to Alabama and had to compete against like Derrick Henry, Kenyon, Drake. <laughs> like, I mean, this is one of the best players in all of Florida. And now he's, you know, the fourth or fifth string running back on an Alabama football team. So just their ability to just keep guys around. Is yeah, just, but he stayed you know, there. Yeah. impressive. And, and it's just a commitment to process going, hey, you might not play the first two years, but those second and, and or that third and fourth year. You, you might make, be able to make yourself some money um, after those years. Somebody, uh, somebody posted the offensive and defensive
0: all Saban teams that are right now playing in the NFL, and I swear to God they could finish second in the AFC East. Honestly, if you did just nothing but Alabama players, it's it it really is it really is a tribute. I agree with you, Mark, as a as a Florida guy. I don't like to see them winning every national championship. I nothing against them whatsoever. Continue doing what you're doing. You are utilizing the system as best as anybody probably ever has. And to Derek's point, too, not only with players, but uh just just the ability to find these coaches, Sarkeesian, um, Lane Kiffin guys that people were not gonna take a chance on. Some Able. of these guys. Yeah, and particularly, you know, SEC repeat national champions, you know, you think, oh, you know, he'll get another job as the offensive coordinator at Tulsa. No, no, no. He's getting it at Alabama, and then they're parlaying that into success too. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument that uh, Nick Saban uh, will off be considered the second best coach in Alabama history because there's just way too many of those old toothless rednecks who still love the bear.
2: But uh, he's the greatest college football. (laughs) It's no coincidence that him and Belichick are good friends.
1: Yep, not at all. And and work together. They were on, you know. Saban was on was his DC I think for Cleveland back in the mid nineties. He
0: was a defensive coach.
1: I don't know if he's coordinator, but yeah, yeah, there is no doubt. Okay, well, so now
0: that we brought up an NFL coach, let's jump over to the NFL. Uh, Derek, we talked about this on the show earlier this week. The biggest surprise for us uh, last week was the Rams just because I think we had all put a lot of stock into um, Seattle while acknowledging that they were struggling down the stretch, particularly offensively. For you last weekend, what was what was the biggest surprise of the weekend?
2: Well, I, well, I mean, obviously the biggest surprise was the Steelers. Um, really? Bigger than Seattle? Go, yeah, I think the way that the, the Steelers went out against the, against the Browns and just really just from the jump, really from the first snap, uh, just really could not <laughs> get into it really oh, um,
1: by definition from the first nap. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: really just struggled to get into the rhythm. Uh, they got behind uh, really, really fast and really tried to, had to dig themselves out of a hole. And, and when you do that and you're an offense that kind of relies on rhythmic passing and you're a pass-heavy team, and um, I, I think that they just really got behind the eight ball. They didn't get any sort of running game going just because they couldn't. Um, right. So I don't know that they, could, they couldn't really dictate the pace of the game either. Um, and then defensively, um, you know, they, they didn't get the stops when they when they truly needed them to. Now, that game is completely not on the
1: defense. Um, right. They had a bunch of turnovers offensively. So, um, you know. But I, would I, you I, say, I hate to interrupt you, Derek, but when they got to 35-23 and they didn't go for it on fourth and one, which was a major mistake, The now the very next drive, they allowed Cleveland to have a touchdown. If, if the yep. defense would have been buttoned up at that point in time, they could have salvaged that mistake and and continued the momentum. But do you think it's such a game of momentum that it's like, come on guys do that. And it's like almost the defense was sort of bummed out as well. And they took the field and they just couldn't get their heads out of their, you know, out of this mode of like, what the hell are we doing offense? I mean, is it, is it one of those things literally or, or what happened there? Because to me, the defense let them down in that drive.
2: Yeah. I mean, to respond that way, that's when you need to get off the field. Um, you do have all the momentum in the world coach coach tomlin is a defensive coach so i could have seen why he thought you know i have the number one two best defense um in the league we will punt pin him short and really play the field position game um i I, i'm i'm not in the building so i don't know his his specific reasoning um uh, that makes sense though yeah i that's really probably the thought process there i know a lot of people were very upset that he did not go for him on that fourth and one um they had a ton of momentum Um, You can almost feel like Cleveland was uh, going, oh, no, this is don't tell me this has happened. Roethlisberger was starting to deal. Yeah, he was starting to deal. He was starting to really get into a rhythm. And you can really tell, you know, there's been a lot of discussion on whether he's going to retire or not. But, you know, I had I had a discussion with somebody about this and, you know, that towards the end. And really, you know, obviously he had the picks and was missing some throws high and everything. But I mean, he still got zipped. He could absolutely still play. Um, I just think that he's a really, really hot or cold just off a rhythm. Once he gets a couple throws in, starts to understand what he's seeing, and then really gets into a flow, he's really dangerous. And I think that that's what you saw towards the end of that game. And I think that's been
0: that may be one of the reasons, I think, w- with the questioning of the fourth and one is that, yeah, it does make sense. And you do have the d- defense. And I think Tomlin even came out and said, you know, this is what we thought. And and clearly more people would have been yelling had he gone for it, and not made it on fourth and one. I mean, it's very easy to Monday morning quarterback, all of this stuff. And I think to your, to your point, Derek. That offense, which had been so hit or miss throughout the season, a lot more miss than hit, I think at times, had finally sort of caught that rhythm that we'd seen in the second half uh, against what was in Indianapolis a couple of weeks before or so. So I think you know just just for some of us, and it's easy as you say when you're not in the building and sitting at home and you know having a beer and watching it on your on your couch. But I think some of us felt like we were feeling that momentum as well, and it's like if you're going to take this chance at any point in time. Two quarters ago, you probably weren't, weren't going to want to do this because your offense was sputtering. But that was at the point in time where their offense wasn't uh, uh, wasn't sputtering and was starting to, I think, worry the Cleveland Browns. The the only reason I'm a little surprised that you say that's the most surprising is because I think that just the idea was with Cleveland is that they were a more well rounded team than were the Rams um, yeah. because the Rams' offense has been, you know, at times just you know, particularly with Gerald, Jared Goff, who is a a bit of an enigma at this point in time. Um, That's why I think, uh, I thought, also, I know you picked uh, the uh, Seahawks for the Super Bowl, so I thought you you (laughs) were going to save yourself with that one. But that one, just talk about that for a minute, because that was, um, the, the Russell Wilson we expected, as that game stayed closer and closer and closer, really, really never materialized. What do you see in that game? I know that is a great Rams defense. Yeah, They're beaten up a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, toward the end of that game and they still really dictated pretty much everything
2: yeah that was really interesting you you never saw the true Russell Wilson moment Um, I think a lot of that again we talked about the Rams having such a great defense just the way that they're able to play Seattle um, they play a lot of that too high stuff they don't give any true indicators um, to a quarterback so you're able to you know spin down or play cover three or or play quarters, which they do a lot. They play a lot of match quarters and stuff. But when when you play match quarters, the way that you sometimes want to teach it is that you also keep your eye on the quarterback. So you're not only able to play the receiver, um, you can also, you know, the, the eyes of the quarterback will usually take you to where it's going too. So they're able to jump some, some routes as well. But, um, you know, you heard at the end of the game, Pete Carroll, he's talking about how he wants to get back to more of a running style of football. Um, they just released their offensive coordinator um, Schottenheimer um, which I thought was pretty interesting after they had just said that um, they were going to retain him so just maybe conflicting ideas of, of where the offense should go so um, there might be a little bit of a, a a revamping in Seattle I know that you know Pete Carroll is a play cover three run the football control the game kind of person um, I think with Wilson, you know, there was a whole "Let Russ Cook" movement, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted Russell Wilson to throw, and then I mean, I was one of them. Yeah. Um, and then I think towards the middle of the year, really, it just kind of sputtered out. Um, it really did. Like the second half, tough. you you were so, mentioning that, yeah. Job. You saw you saw some more teams play some more too high stuff to really take away the deep ball, um, you know, and then those second reaction plays by Wilson. Um, that I think when you go into a game and you think well, you know, if we don't have a great play call or if we don't like a look, Wilson would just get us out of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't always think that that's really the best option you have. Wilson is 32 years old. I'm not saying he's old, but he is getting up there. I think that really the best course of action for this team is you have a shorter quarterback that in a quick game stuff can really – his vision might blur sometimes. So that's where you see him pump, pump and then try and get out. Maybe he's not seeing some things. I'm Like I said, I'm not in the building. I don't know. Um, But just coming from experience as a short quarterback that when a defense can kind of mess with your vision, um, it gets you to second guess. Because there's a lot of times where you don't even see the receiver. You just know where they should be, and you're looking at defenders, which is really what you should always be doing. Look for defenders and trust your receivers. But I think that they really struggled in the quick game, and I think a lot of teams were like, fine. You want to try and throw the quick game, throw it. Um, you don't run the ball great, we'll make you throw short, and then we'll take away those second reaction plays by Wilson. So I think going forward, maybe they do get back to the run. Maybe a lot more boot stuff that you see in a lot of these offenses nowadays to, to help Wilson's vision, things like that, and a lot of more play action, throw the deep ball. He is arguably the
1: best deep ball thrower. Right. But if they take that away, then you've got to adjust. And that's what they're saying about Brian Schottenheimer is that he didn't adjust in the second half of the season. Two defenses taking deep ball away and putting some more, you know, getting some more uh, bodies, I guess, in the lane so that Russ couldn't see the for the short Mm -hmm. stuff. So now he can't see short stuff. He they've taken away the long game. You know, and he's you a right quarterback. Ball. Yeah, exactly. And you can't run the ball. So you so no. can't short pass,
0: long pass, or run the ball. How's your partner? And he's, <laughs> well, you know, he is again, not. that's a what,
1: that's, that's right. the problem with the Steelers. That's yeah. the problem with the Steelers. They, uh, uh, Ben wasn't throwing long, they didn't run the ball. And, Everyone just blocked up the intermediate stuff. So that, you know, it's it really is amazing. Even though Nick Saban says the defense is, you know, the best defense doesn't win championships anymore because the offenses are too good. Uh, there are still offenses that don't counter react. And I guess they, a lot of the narrative out there is that Brian Schottenheimer didn't do that. That's why he's gone.
0: And I think we're seeing more and more in that. And, you know, that's why I always argue that Joe Gibbs is the greatest coach in the history of the NFL is at halftime adjustments. But I think what we're seeing now is that any team that doesn't have an ability to adjust – um at halftime or a point in the game is you just can't do it you can't dictate everything anymore you do have to be able to react to what other people are doing uh well let's jump around and talk a little bit more about these games um the slugfest of the weekend was clearly baltimore and tennessee and you know you're going to hear a lot about skill position players and that and everything but honestly that was a game that i think baltimore won up front yep in that game they pushed Tennessee and Tennessee is a physical. I mean, they'll pound you, but they, they took Derek Henry out of, out of, yeah, the 40, 40 yards, something like that. Four, um, amazing. Another, as we're staying on this theme, that was another thing that was really, really kind of shocking to me that they were able to do that, Derek, as well as they did.
2: Yeah. You know, I thought that they bottled up. I mean, this is a guy that has rushed for 2,000 yards this year. And really had, had had dominated in the games where he's played against them, and they really just bottled him up well. Um, they knew it was coming, and then they base and you know they took away a lot of the pass stuff of the play action that you know they were just like, well, we're going to force you to to throw the ball, and we, you know you can't throw the ball right now. Um, another one of the fourth and one ones that we were talking about too as well, um, that a lot of people uh, were uh, arguing about, I guess on on the Twitter sphere. Um, I try to stay off of that as much as I can nowadays. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they, they really pushed them around. And I thought actually defensively that Tennessee played pretty well. They did, yeah. I thought that, you know, when, when Baltimore was trying to get to the perimeter, they were really playing half a man and half a gap back to not allow a cutback but also stringing out to the sideline. And I thought that their linebackers fitted a lot of their runs really, really well. Um, you know, obviously they had the big run that, you know, they let – Lamar
1: and it looked like a kick return. Um it did. He just he just it, yeah. it seems so bunched up in the middle and he just got through it. Yeah, and there's
2: a lot of like you just can't go up and draw that up on a whiteboard. Um mm. if you're if it's a defensive coordinator, you can have all the plans in the world, but, but there's just certain guys that are just so special that that you know you're Or Mahomes or Wilson scrambling, you just can't really account for those things all the time. I mean, you can have the best game plan, and those are the kinds of things that just get you sometimes. So, um, can I ask you something? uh, Better than they had all year. Yeah, they
1: were. I thought they were good too. Let me ask you about what. uh, Sorry, we're all we're all like seven seconds delay here Uh, because I'm cursing like a Steve. I want to ask you, Derek, about. You are. You are, and I haven't heard one. I haven't heard one, and it would have really amused me and uh, lifted my spirits if I would have heard even at least one word coming this way. But uh, it hasn't, so my spirits remain down. Uh, I want to ask you, Derek, about getting to the perimeter for Baltimore. It seems like because maybe there is a little bit of a matchup issue with the Bills running defense, that Baltimore might have some success doing that. Uh, coming up this weekend what do you think of that
2: well yeah I mean the Bills defense I mean I, really I thought that you know they got kind of outplayed by Indy in that mm-hmm. game um, I thought Indy was able to do some things that really I really didn't think that Indy would be able to do I mean they really they executed their game plan exactly what they wanted to do and they were still down in that game um, you know I do think that Baltimore can run the football on them um, and and Really, it's just going to be it's going to be a really really fun game to watch. I think.
0: Yeah, it's not a great matchup for the for the Bills, frankly. But again, to, to your point, they just they have that feeling of a team that even when they are outplayed, and I agree with you. I thought the uh, Indianapolis defense for again, we talked about them all year. People don't see a lot of Indy; not a lot of a national t- broadcast. That is a very very good defense, but they are a team. Too, And this is the thing against Buffalo, I guess, to point out, is you can't leave any points out on the field against the Bills because they just have that explosiveness to come back. I think it was part of Tennessee's problem, too. Again, I thought Tennessee's defense played really, really well, and their offense just left points on the uh, field that, that they just can't make up for. You, you're not going to get enough possessions to uh, to make up for that. Um, the uh, Just quickly on the other uh, matchups of the weekend um, with – Tampa Bay, um, it, their defense against a quarterback that they'd never seen and they didn't know much about, who played really, really well. I'm certainly happy for him in Washington. But I think their defense was exposed a little bit a, as well. And now they go, uh, you know, to New Orleans, the team they know better than anybody. Uh, the Tampa Bay defense, stout enough to win this game.
2: I think it's going to be really tough. I think that you're going to probably see more cover two man by both teams than you'll ever see in a game. Um, when I say cover two man, it essentially is, um, some people call it cover five, two man under. Um, you have two high safeties, so it's a two high structure. And then every one of the, we've talked about it on this podcast, I believe, and all of the defenders underneath are in man coverage, but they're not in a typical man type coverage. You're playing a specific technique called trail technique, where you're basically in the, route runners back pocket so it allows you to jump routes um the in cuts and things like that because they know that they have help over the top you typically run these defenses versus quarterbacks that like to get the ball out quick and uh and don't run because when you try and run this against a lamar a mahomes or an allen everybody's back is turned to the quarterback (laughs) the quarterback can take off and run so breeze and brady are not you know dual threat athletes by any combined age john 157. Yes. So um <laughs> in that sense yes, I think that for for the Bucks offense I think that they're going to have to do a couple of things. I think that they're going to have to really use alignment and some motion stuff to help their receivers get off of this man type coverage. Um, I think that they struggled that New Orleans loves to be physical on defense. They're going to push you around. Um, the, uh, Mike Mike Evans, you know, has has kind of struggled against the Saints and over yep. the years, so, Lattimore
1: has his numbers seemingly.
2: Exactly, like. exactly. So the Saints are going to be want. They're going to want to play physical, um, and they're going to want to get pressure on Brady. Um, so I think that when you when you use condensed splits, you use some motions. It forces a defense to try and back off a little bit because they have to read. Okay, well, if they're going to cross and stuff, you don't want to basically scheme yourself into a pick, or align yourself into a pick. So those, and emotions as well, where you get a guy that's already running, it really takes these guys off of press coverage. I think that the impact of
1: Antonio Brown will be huge in this game. I agree um, the, I that their last played. matchup, that was his first game, Derek. I think it's going to make a yeah. difference. I think that he's really come along and he's been a
2: really, really good part, big part of their offense going forward. Um, even even their run game stuff, they, they did a little bit of different stuff last week. They actually ran more zone and split zone stuff. Um, as opposed to just duo, which that's all they run mm-hmm. um, on the flip side, you know, Bruce Arians and, and Todd Bowles are like the same person. They're like, we're just going to do what we do. And that's it. Um, so <laughs> what do we just talk about? That's, that's, that's what they are. Uh, obsolete. You have to make yeah. adjustments. Yeah. So in for, for the bucks defense, I think that, you know, you're going to have to be able to get there with four um, and, and really just put pressure on breeze. I think, and this almost sounds like it, it shouldn't like people shouldn't do this, but I almost want to say like fire zone the hell out of Drew Brees, just blitz him, and because he can't move. Right. I mean, he can step up, and he's one of the best in NFL history at doing that. I mean, I, I just blitz him because. But you also brought pointed out uh, passing lanes and Drew Brees. I the inter- Drew Brees is one of the
0: first interviews I ever did at the ESPN Club, and it, I think he's in the uh, the program is like six one. If he's six yeah. one, then I'm six and three quarters. Yeah. He's also not a tall guy, and you get guys in front of you him, and keep him, stay in front of him. That's going to be a problem for
2: him. Yeah, and you know I think that some of those those blitzes and stuff, because if you sit back in zone like they did the last game, they're just going to get picked apart. Sean Payton and Drew Brees are going to find the weak link in your zone and they're just going to high-low you, they're going to
1: pick on you all freaking game. Let me ask you this, Derek, If uh, because to me the weak link of the Bucks defense is the back end. So if Breeze is incapable, for the most part, I mean, he's not one of the best accurate deep throwers out there necessarily. If you go ahead and let him beat you deep, I mean, Michael Thomas is out there and could make all kinds of problems. But if you go ahead and uh, let him beat you deep and, and blitz the heck out of him, or maybe you do the the the, the two deep uh, safeties, make sure he doesn't beat you deep, mm-hmm. blitz the heck out of him, and then just see if he can find that middle lane. I mean, do you yeah. think that's a, a a way to go about it? Yeah, I think it's got to be situational, and they got to try and,
2: and guess. You know, we we'll talk about it later too when we talk about the Rams and the uh, and the Packers game. Coaching is gambling. It is, it is betting. It is a week long of preparation with tendencies, breakdowns. Hey, they're going to blitz on this down, out of this personnel package, out of this formation, and you get the numbers of it. 64% that's this, 74%, 13% here. It is gambling. (laughs) So a lot of it is just, hey, this is what their tendency is. But you get to the postseason you kind of sometimes throw these things out because it's it's a one game season. So they're going to just pull out whatever they can out of the bag that'll work so whether it's some of the fire zone stuff whether it's two man stuff I think when you do that uh, those fire zone stuff and it's you know they're trying to get into a quick game you find out this goes back to the film study when you bring that blitz where does breeze like to throw it does he like to throw in back into that blitz does where does he like to throw it and they basically just cloud that area or Find a way to disrupt that window or that area so he double clutches and you're hoping that you can get home before he gets the ball off because if he gets the ball off versus some of those things, it might be a big play.
0: Yeah, and I think the 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 other thing about it is, and I love, I love bringing up the chess match uh, aspect of this, if you get there early with a few of those blitzes, now you've crept into the thinking of Sean Payton and Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and you may now take things off the table that they would have tried to do that now they felt that they couldn't and you may not have to gamble quite as much. And that's just that is really it's it's hard to pick out the most interesting game, but I do think when it comes down to these teams that know each other so well, to the greatest of all time at quarterbacks towards the end of their career where they're both still playing at an incredibly
1: high level, is it is it the end of their career John? Well, not maybe maybe not Brady. He's, Do we even know at this point if it's the end of their careers? We seem to believe that Breeze
0: maybe is, is thinking we don't know about Brady, but uh it really, really is interesting. All right, let's get to uh let, let's get to one uh let's let's move on to the the games coming up because you brought up the Rams and Green Bay. Um I'm not hundred percent sure. I know Jared Goff is Supposedly ready to go. Wolford is fine after the really, really nasty stinger that he took in that game. And and I thought he was playing at a really, really good level for them. He was very surprisingly good and a a little bit like Taylor Taylor Heineke. But now you're going up against an offense that isn't sputtering, as we talked about with with Seattle. uh, Give me some reason that you think that the Rams can score enough to beat Green Bay, frankly.
2: Well, let's start with the Rams offense. So last week they actually ran the ball really, really well uh, with cam makers. Um, yeah, very much so. I thought you that you saw vintage Sean McVay in that game with a lot of the post and over. So you get a post from one side and over from the other and then off the jet sweep stuff and all those different things. I thought that that was vintage Sean McVay. I thought that he executed that. Now, they, he does have Seattle's number. So whether you know he's going to be able to do that in Green Bay and possibly a snow game, remains to be seen. But I think that their ability to be able to run the ball with Cam Akers, um, and then really create easy throws for Goff, whether it's posts and overs. Now Goff has really struggled in cold weather games. 47 completes completion percentage, um, 34 and a half uh passer rate and five interceptions and zero touchdowns. Um, this really goes back even to that infamous game in Chicago on a Sunday night a couple years ago where he really struggled. Um so I think that that is really uh, the, the main focus for the Rams is just really limiting Goffs, you know throws essentially mm-hmm. in that cold weather and, and really staying ahead of the change chains. Take take chances, take um, chunk plays when you can get them though. Um, they have a lot of plays where it's just little like minor tweaks uh, whether. so we talked about the you know the post and the over concept. Some people call it a Yankee concept. Um, but instead of doing that, you know, you have the over break back out on a, on a corner um, or you run the post corner or you tell the, the crosser instead of working all the way over where maybe there's a defender there waiting for you. You just sit in the middle of the field and find a soft spot in a zone. zone. Um, those are all kind of the things that McVeigh does. There's so many little tweaks and everything looks the same until it is. And
1: it's kind of the illusion of complexity. So let me ask you this. Uh, Wolford what did he have about 15 snaps Mm -hmm. I think he threw six balls he had 15 snaps do we really know enough about him to predict what will happen if Goff is not ready or is not performing well well at all I think that Goff is going to play no matter what
2: Um, I think Wolford's got juice I don't know if he's been cleared or not I, I haven't Checked any injury reports? Or I
0: thought he had been cleared. I thought they that, that was yeah. it, and it was going to come down to a decision that I don't know. If Sean McVay wants to make. I'll check but, that.
1: But you're 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 able to make that kind of decision after 15 snaps? I,
2: I well, that and the game before as well too. He did start against Arizona the week before, and like I said, I mean he's he's got juice. He can make some throws and he can make some plays with his legs too. Um, if he is available, maybe a package or so. I think that Goff is the guy that you got to go with, um, just because you know he's gotten you to the Super Bowl. I know that he hasn't played well recently, uh, but he did uh, he
1: did lead them to a win off the bench last week. So, so what about Green Bay? And um, you know, do we do we know n- number one the status of the of Aaron Donald? I mean, I know he says he's ready to go. I know he says he's ready to play, but that injury is pretty painful uh you know aaron rodgers more than likely is the mvp mm-hmm. uh i mean is there any way to really slow that offense down at home in the cold yeah well here's the,
2: here's a really interesting part about this matchup is that you have two offenses that are very similar to each other um and brandon staley is one of the better defensive coordinators in the league um yep so he understands what a lot of the times, you know, this kind of offense is trying to accomplish. Um, I think that there's a misconception right now that you're going to see Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams the whole game. And I don't know that that's the case because he doesn't travel with number one wide receivers. Um, they do move him every now and then. They'll put him in, in a slot or a nickel um, as, you know, as that guy. Um, but, he, you know, he doesn't really travel with the number one receiver. Um, I think the one time that you could see him is that in the backside of a three by one. Um, and, you know, he might go play man coverage on them, and they'll essentially what we call lock. So you might play cover four. You have three receivers on one side, one receiver to the other. The defense will play cover four quarters or match or whatever they want to play to the three-receiver side, and then a lot of times you'll play what we call lock. That backside guy is in man coverage. Wherever he goes, you go. But with them knowing that, now you can <laughs> with the with the Rams rules, So, okay, you're going to play what we call four locker, match locker, whatever you want to call it. Now you could bring a guy from the three receiver side into that void, take Adams out, and now you're running into basically an open area because it's been vacated by the corner. So if you run, you know, a hitch or a drag, that corner is going to run with that receiver, take somebody from the strong side, run them on a crosser route to that side, and really there's nobody home. Um, unless you got a linebacker that's going to spot drop. So that's kind of like, I think, that the chess match that you will see um, from these two. I I think the other thing, too, that is going to be crucial for the Rams is to not give Rodgers any indicators pre-snap read. The Rams are one of the best teams at doing this. Um, Like I said, they play cover two – or, I'm sorry, they play cover four a lot in match coverages. So it's essentially a two-high look. And, you know, we kind of had this discussion about two-high versus one-high. When you play a one high coverage, you are telling the defense what it could be. So it's gonna be either cover one or cover three. Usually, typically, I mean, there's some variations, but you normally know what you're gonna get. Now, if you add a motion in that, if a guy runs with them, it's cover one, it's man. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't run with it, it's probably cover three. Um, Each corners have a deep third, essentially, and then the safety has the middle third. So you know what you're going to get. When you play a two high structure, you're able to disguise these things a little bit more. Now you can even spin down to cover three, roll weak or roll strong. You can cloud some of these things. You can play cover six cover. It's there's a lot more different things. So with the Rams and they do a great job of communicating this all the time, Seattle even tried to do it too. Remember we talked about setting guys in motion and really changing it from a two by two look to a three by one look like that, like really fast. But mm-hmm. the Rams, really, really, do they do really, really well communicating. So, I think the, the biggest thing for for the Rams defense is just being able to communicate and then pass things off and see things. Well, uh, no
0: crowd. Helpful in that. You know, we talk yeah. home field advantage, and that's a really helpful one. By the way, a couple of things. Lenny just and and your dad, uh, Keith, just popped in on the Wolford, and I checked it out, too. He is now officially out for the game. Blake Bortles will be the backup. Um, so, so. so Black, Blake Bortles and Jalen Ramsey together again. Uh, Last last time they were together, they got to an AFC championship game.
2: So come on. Come on, Rams. I think, too, the way the one way that um, that the Packers could use Devontae Adams and get him into space. So they're going to play, you know, that zone type of defense. Right. Mm -hmm. You split a tight end out and you'll see this probably with the Chiefs, too. They do it, too. And they put Adams at the number three receiver. Usually when you have it at like the number, you take your best receiver and you put him at the number three, the furthest inside guy of the three by one set. It's usually some sort of linebacker. You can get him into space. You see, you love I'm, that. You see where I'm going with this. I have. Yes. About it.
1: You love that. <laughs> you you adore that. you adore that. Yeah.
2: yeah. You're essentially tilting it. So now you have a corner playing on a tight end and now you have a mismatch on the inside and you can really work that middle of the field too.
0: Yeah, for again for reference, and I think I mentioned this the last time we checked. Check the national championship game and a linebacker for Ohio State named Tough Borland, uh, sixteen steps behind Alabama receivers uh, in coverage. So that'd an- that would be that
2: cover three as well.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it was boy. It, it, even the play-by-play guy in that game didn't didn't even take the color analyst. Play-by-play guy's like, ooh, boy, you got out schemed there. All right, let's jump to because you mentioned uh, Cleveland in Kansas City. Um, obviously, Cleveland. Um, the one thing I would say that I think about Cleveland is I think maybe they're as balanced as anybody. I think they have a, they have they have a pretty good defense with not a, they're not dominant. They they have a ton of holes offensively. They do a nice job. I think mixing it up. They've they found a good. Uh, a good, um, a good kind of mix there that uh, benefits uh, everybody on the field. They run the ball relatively well, um, and they get some good plays off script as well. We haven't seen Kansas City for a while. We haven't actually seen Kansas City play great for a while. I mean, I think everyone would agree that they're expecting the flip the switch thing with Kansas City. Any concerns? Because I know we all, Patrick Mahomes is an alien Uh any concerns for Kansas City coming into this that uh maybe a little bit like uh I think we overvalued the Steelers offense because of one good half mm-hmm. of football. Any concern that uh they will continue, you know, they're they're a good team when they don't play well. Um,
2: but in the playoffs, you're gonna have to play
0: a little bit better than that. Any concerns for Kansas City?
2: Well, I think that their biggest concern is probably they're just rush defense or uh their their run defense, excuse me. Um, it's not really a great run defense. They're they're their Kansas City's playing style is very similar to like a Mike Tyson or a Conor McGregor. Um, they're gonna want to knock you out in the first couple rounds. You do not if you play them, there's really two styles of playing them. You try and take them to the distance, like in a boxing match or a UFC fight. You try and go to the distance and win and win at the card, or <laughs> You try and go blow for blow for them with like what the Raiders did and they had success on it. Um, it's really, you know, just pick how you want to die. Um, so I think for Cleveland, it's going to be let's get this game to the fourth quarter. Don't get knocked out early. Don't get down early. Because if you do, you don't have the horses to get back into it, especially with this Chiefs team. Um, you know, I, I think that for Cleveland, <clears throat> what I think what they can do with an over-aggressive defense like this, is you can keep Kansas City off balance, obviously you're going to run the football. But take your shots when they are there and when they least expect it. Um, some double moves with some guys that are over-aggressive at the corner spots um, and then get bait, getting Baker out on, on play actions and things like that. I think that that's how you can stay in this game. I don't think that, you know, well, they got to run the ball fourth three times in a drive and then that's how to chew clock i mean you got to score points you can't trade field you can't go down into the red zone and kick a field goal you can't do that game you're playing you know a a track team um this is this is Thanos. this is (laughs) he's inevitable um and i think for cleveland's defense they really got to play between the 20s um play great red zone defense fit like be phenomenal at it. Mm. Give up. You know, you can give up stuff between the 20s. That's fine. Uh, just don't let Kansas City score from the field. Make them earn every touchdown. Because if you let life, let them, you know, strike lightning on a deep throw or something like that, that's not what you want. Force them into the red zone and then play defense there and, and, and try your luck there.
0: Well it's funny because we both we've talked about Greg Cosell and how much we love Greg Cosell and I I heard him talking about it yesterday and he you you know that old thing that and we bring it up as well is you know run the football keep uh, Patrick Mahomes off the field he said here here's the problem the average NFL game the offense gets 12 possessions Okay, so let's say you run the ball and you give them nine possessions. The problem is then you cannot allow them to score touchdowns on seven of those possessions. Yeah. And that's why he said the same thing. He said, You have to score points against them. You can't, you can't, a low scoring game would be, you know, 28 to 24. You can't yeah. think in terms of 17 to 10. And uh, I think from what I know, Cleveland's. Red zone defense is somewhere in the middle of the league, I think. I mean, they're not – like I say, Cleveland doesn't – I don't think, other than maybe running the football for a good portion of the season, they don't do anything great, but they do enough things good that, I, you know, they they are going to have to do, though, Mark, all of those good things as good as they've
1: ever done them. Yeah, I just think earlier this week, Lenny, one of our um, most loyal listeners – From back, Oh, I don't know. I want to say decade 2012, at least at least uh, at least one decade said that just go with all the favorites. And it's like we're in a fantasy world a little bit. We're hoping that Kansas City, because they haven't really looked great in whatever (laughs) amount of time that they're not going to look good, that Cleveland somehow is going to do everything perfect. We hope that somehow the Rams are going to go into frigid Lambeau, the frozen tundra, and without really a quarterback, somehow beat Aaron Rodgers and that team. And frankly, we're hoping that no team, you know, the whole idea of a team beating another team three times. How many times has that happened? How many times has a team faced a team three times? Right. Stewart Ravens. Uh, <laughs> what's that
0: you
2: know used to be the best uh, rivalry in football yeah. Pittsburgh's not holding up their end right now I, I will say this about this this game too it, Cleveland did it last week not all to their credit but create turnovers you have to steal possessions from Kansas City um, you, you like that's that's a must thing must need thing to do um, versus them um, I think that the, and not obviously turn the ball over don't turn the ball over. I mean, this all sounds like you know, <laughs> you know, a fantasy world of this is a perfect storm, but I mean right. they got the perfect storm last weekend too, with the bad snap and a pick and turnover and it's yeah, and the bad
1: ball. snap had nothing to do with Cleveland. Yeah. That's the thing. They didn't create that turnover, you know what no. I mean? Yeah. yeah.
2: And I like and what we were talking about too, with the three by one stuff. This is more X's and O no stuff. Well, what Kansas City loves to do is they love to split Travis Kelsey out to by himself now Travis Kelsey is essentially a receiver I mean he does all the receiver things run routes and everything else they'll also take Tyree Hill and put him at the number three spot well that can also cause a lot of issues especially for a team like Cleveland that likes to play those two high those cover two type things now you gotta figure out how you want to match up against Hill in that in that number three slot if he just runs vertical and blow past all both safeties that's fine but then you probably have a dig rock coming over the middle of the field with Watkins or whoever else they have on their uh, on their track team. So uh, this is just so so many different things that Kansas City can do, and I really don't even know how you could do it because they even get Clyde Edwards Hilaire back. So so like let, let's say let's say they go to a two high look, and you know Kansas City wants to throw the ball They're not having any success. Well, you're in a two high look. Just run the ball with Clyde edwards He gets eight yards. Now you got to spin a guy down in the box or something like that. Now you take your shot with Kansas City. Yeah, with, and then all, and all of those scheming things, things uh, you, even throw all of the scheming things they can do to beat you. But then there's that
0: extra added thing with okay, play breaks down. Mm-hmm. Well, now now you may actually be better than you
2: were with the scheme because you get Mahomes out in space. You gotta you gotta keep him. You gotta get there with four. I think really, I mean, Miles Garrett has to have his best game. I mean, and the thing is. <laughs> Mahomes is even better when he's running laterally. So, it, which you wouldn't think—you would think, "Oh, okay, well, quarterback stepping up like a Drew Brees or Tom Brady or something like that." When you see those guys step up, you're like, "Oh crap! Like here, (laughs) here comes, here comes a deep." dig route down the middle of the field <laughs>
1: <With> Mahomes, <laughs> that's going to be a dime that's going to be right on the money yeah you know? Mahomes. it's like
2: he gets out vertically and then he throws a sidearm ball and plays hero ball 40 yards down the field and it's kind of like josh allen too what he did last week against indian it's like how does this to Gabe davis like twice in a row mm-hmm. it's like how does this even happen like this this shouldn't happen this is like when you play Madden and you boost your player up to 99 that's the only way that my dad ever beat me in Madden. He boosted his.
0: I always created game. myself and did that. I was a yeah. fine, fine wide receiver. He he boosted
2: his what to ninety nine? His own players, and he didn't tell me. That's <laughs> that's how he always beat me. That's how he can only beat me now. But um, <laughs> it's, it's it's you got to be
1: able to contain him in the pocket and limit those hero ball plays. I mean, I would think think that Josh Allen is similar to that, right? Josh yeah. Allen's almost better on the run than he is i mean it's amazing the progression that he's he's had over the last two years you know date dable is it dable i don't know the pronunciation dable Dable. brian Mm -hmm. dable he he was the one everyone was blaming last year Mm -hmm. because their offense wasn't making the progression from year one with josh allen and now he's everyone's hero and he was everyone's hero at alabama and now he's going to get a probably a, a plum coaching gig yeah but but uh what he did in year three and on the run and all that is, is amazing. I do think, though, that Baltimore probably has the best chance of upsetting the favorite of all, all four games this weekend because they know how to be, I don't know, Derek, would you agree, pretty clever in their running game. Yep. They're pretty clever with what they do, and they can probably, because the Bills aren't necessarily as – skilled defensively against the run as the titans they will have more success getting getting outside do you think do you think baltimore has a real shot of well keeping not only keeping josh allen off the field but scoring some points with with a running game that's uh you know very very elite actually yeah well i, I think that um
2: obviously you know limiting lamar jackson's off script plays is going to be the number one thing for for this bill's defense um in terms of the the upset i think that this couldn't be a worse matchup for the uh ravens defense and the bill's offense um the bill's offense shreds man coverage like they live for it like they see man coverage and they just drool because that's they scheme up stuff and they just cut it up and baltimore's defense plays a lot of man coverage Mm. so It'll be interesting to see early in the game if they stick to that man coverage stuff, or if Baltimore maybe switches to a zone, Um maybe later in the game. After I hope for Baltimore's sake, you know you don't want to get burned like three times and be down, you know whatever seventeen nothing. Yeah, seven. they're
1: done at that point, right. And
2: then you got and then you got to play man, and then now they know you're playing man, and you know that's that's where I think that there is going to be a little bit of a give and take of when to play man coverage and when to play zone, send some blitzes, things like that. Um, I, I think you need a variety against this against this Buffalo offense because, I mean, Stephon Diggs is one of the best route runners in the league. Um, I think he'd be uh, matched up against Jimmy Smith, I want to say. Um, so, you know, I don't know how well of a matchup is that for, for Baltimore you know, obviously Cole Beasley working the middle of the field on those little option routes or out routes, and then fine, you want to collapse down on that, then we'll hit Gabe Davis behind him on a dig route. Um, So it's going to be a lot of different sort of matchup things for this game. And I think for Baltimore's defense, just a wide variety of coverage stuff and, or zone stuff and man stuff, and just kind of blending the two together and, and not giving Allen any indicators, because Dayball does do a great job of that, of giving Allen indicators to really help simplify, and he knows what he's looking at. So same thing I was saying with the Rams, take away those indicators and, and get Allen to really not even know what he's looking at until he hits that third step of his drop.
0: I think the interesting thing, Mark, is the two uh, um, two underdogs that both you and I think would could have the most success this weekend, and I'm not saying I think they will win, but our Baltimore and uh, Tampa Bay and uh, oh, by the way, they have maybe the greatest quarterback of all time and the former MVP. So maybe that's one of the reasons that we feel yeah, that way a- about is. them. It's just I I, I think that for me, the thing that I'm looking forward to is I just want to see if this Buffalo defense can stand up against Lamar and can find something that works against him because i think baltimore is one of those teams because of lamar and how well he runs the ball and how he can play off script uh and 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 the improvement that we've seen from that offense throughout the year i think they could uh they could play a little shootout with buffalo for a while
2: i think, they, I, think I really think they could i think those um, corners need to be physical um i think that they need to put pressure on these baltimore receivers to to get off the line and get open make lamar throw tight window throws um I almost want to think that maybe you might see some some RPO stuff from from the Ravens too, to to kind of open that up, suck some linebackers into the box, um, those kinds of things. Um, I'm not sure, um, but I, I just think that maybe that could be a possibility. Um, I, who knows? Buffalo might just roll out there and just say screw it, we're screw it, we're going to sell out to the run, we're going to stop Lamar, we're going to play man coverage, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, that it could be a possibility, and I think that. You know, you, you typically don't want to play man coverage versus Lamar because if he gets out, he might house it. Yeah, but you might. You got to take some you know, chances. You, you might just say, yeah. So every now and then, let's just let's just line them up, play man coverage, go get them, and get them behind the sticks early. So maybe early in the down, you might see some things like that where they just go and say, screw it, we're just gonna play man and just thud you up.
0: Defensive coordinators earning their paycheck in that football game. There's no doubt about that. Um uh Jumping back to because uh, you had a question from Lenny. Jumping back to the Rams, the uh, the injury to Golf is a thumb injury. I had thumb yeah. surgery. It was obvious last week they showed on the sidelines. Still a lot of uh, swelling. Um, my argument would be that uh, the cold weather may actually benefit him a little bit in that situation. Talk about gripping the ball. You played at Robert Morris. I have a, I have a feeling there are probably some cold football games you found yourself playing in. Um, and I'm sure you had beaten, you were banged up um, golf and the thumb injury in the cold
2: weather. Well, yeah, my first start was in a hailstorm against Monday. <laughs> um, I, I think at one point it felt like the sleet was coming up from the field. <laughs> um, just what a terrible place to put a stadium on the side of a hill. Anyways, Uh, um, I actually never mind. I mean, this is me personally. I never minded playing in cold weather. I actually preferred it. I thought I could get a better grip on the ball. Um, I think where you run into trouble, even when it snows, um, snow is never, it's not really an issue. I think it actually plays more an advantage to an offense just because you know where you're going and the defense doesn't. Right footing. Um, Yeah. I I never minded snow. Um, I I always minded when when it was cold and raining. That was cold rain and wind is the worst combination because you can't get warm. Uh, Your arm gets essentially cold really, really quickly. And then also on top of that, it's hard to grip the ball. Plus, you have to mess with the wind. I mean, I remember there was times at Robert Morris where you would throw towards the right upright and it would end at the left upright just (laughs) because of how 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 windy you would get. So I guess that's more of a problem in Buffalo. But
1: um, no, What about Buffalo, though? Wouldn't it rain, wind, and cold actually help the Ravens more than the Bills because Josh Allen's relying on the passing game so much, and the Ravens uh, love to run the ball? Well, again, I think it goes
2: back to whether it's snow or it's rain. Um, snow, I mean, this is obviously a team. I'm wind. Sure, what about wind? wind? Um, Yeah. When, when can be an issue, but again, when you, when you have an arm as strong as Josh Allen's um, he played in Wyoming, by the way, windy, cold. We are not the same. There's a reason why I'm sitting in this desk and he's (laughs) getting ready for a playoff game in Buffalo. Um, I'm sure that they obviously practice these things. This is, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to go practice when it's miserable outside. So come game day, this isn't all new to you. So I don't know that they're practicing in their bubble this week, Um, but yeah, I, I would think it would affect more Jackson throwing the ball because Florida kid, obviously Louisville is not Buffalo. Mm. uh, And I think he said that this would be his first ever snow game. Um, So I remember the first time that we played in the snow and all my buddies from from Orlando, the Florida guys in college, they were like, what is this? How do we how do we play in this? We've never done this before. (laughs) And and by the way,
0: not all snow is uh, is equal. We've all here been in wet snow and we've been in that, you know, that dry powder they get in the Midwest. I mean, that improves your footing, for God's sake. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you get that wet. I, I, yeah, I, I think the worst case scenario for anybody is that kind of almost freezing rain thing. Mm-hmm. With, with a lot of wind it, it looks like we have a chance of snow in buffalo it's at 40 percent, but from what i just saw it doesn't look like they're going to be uh too many problems with wind uh, up there in orchard park um all right so let's we've, we've gone through this now we have to uh actually figure out who, what we think and i have to go out on a limb here and make some predictions let's start with cleveland and kansas city you you've talked about what cleveland is going to have to do um it's it's a tall tale but we should also point out that kansas city has not been perfect this year um they have uh they they seem to be relying at least the people picking them seem to be relying on the don't worry they're going to flip a switch thing which worries me a little bit but um cleveland kansas city Derek, can cleveland
2: keep it close and can they pull off this upset i think this is like a 35 you know 27 type game that that Kansas City ends up pulling out and winning.
1: All right, Mark. Thirty-five twenty-seven. Uh, so we're looking at. Um, I'm trying to find the uh, the line on on this game. I can't find it right now. It's probably eight, right? That's so you. Yeah, I think it was eight and a half, wasn't it? I'll check while you're talking. I'll check. Um, I think Kansas City. Yeah, I think Kansas City is going to win by double digits. I do. I think they're going to win by at least ten points. I think that uh, Cleveland might put a scare in them at some point in the game, maybe at the top of the game, maybe in the middle of the game. But I don't think Cleveland has enough. And I think Kansas City. The thing about Kansas City is that they're no, 10, up... ten point favorites. By the way, so, so that's nine, tough. Nine, nine. This is so that's that's a tough that's a tough ask. But they literally, I think they play up or down to their competition. They're that good that they can just kind of chill and just see what happens. You know, spend the first quarter seeing what everyone's doing and then decide what their game plan is because they have eight at their disposal (laughs) that they can pick. And um, I would say say that's a tough one, to tell you the truth, whether they cover. I think Kansas City wins. Whether they cover or not, let me – do you, think, do you think they're not going to cover, Johnny? No, I think they'll cover.
0: I, I think they'll cover. And there may be a touchdown late. I mean, Cleveland maybe be hanging around. But the, the bottom line is, you know, and, and Derek said it, you know, Cleveland maybe get a break early, get some score, get up on Kansas City. But, again, there's a lot of history of that not bothering them at all. I think for Cleveland to have any hope whatsoever, the defense is going to have to score special teams. There's going to have to be something that happens that, that, that gives them a score that doesn't require a drive, uh, seven or ten I- – 10 points that way maybe they have a chance but I just don't see them. and Lenny who is a bit of
1: our uh you know our bookie guru um, says that Kansas City is not good against the spread so it's probably gonna be right around there you know you're, to, to your point 35 27 you know 37 it's gonna be right around 10 points but Kansas City will win relatively comfortably it's gonna be one of those games like Ohio State and Indiana guys where yeah Indiana made it a game yeah. But you never, you never thought that Ohio State was in trouble. Yeah, it actually feels like
2: the Miami game that Kansas City played earlier right. this year, where Miami had control of the game, and then all of a sudden, one interception, and it just completely snowballed. Yeah,
0: that and that's the thing you're asking. You, you've got to ask in those games for not only the Browns' defense to do that, but then I think they have to offensively. They can't no, they turn have to the be, ball to over. Your the
1: game. point, John, they have to be perfect.
0: Yeah, and you, there's not a lot of perfection. Stay in the AFC closest. They're, they're line. not going to be perfect. Now, Closest line for the day uh is the Ravens and the Bills. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite, Derek. Buffalo. Yeah, two and a half point favorite. You and Buffalo to cover.
2: Yeah. And if I didn't
1: pick them, my aunt would kill yeah. me. <laughs> Mark? I agree. I agree. I think Baltimore is going to give him a run, but uh I think Buffalo's for real. I mean, for real, for real. Not just Josh Allen emerging for real and stefan diggs you know being you know uh, all pro but uh no this is a for real team it's pretty fun to see actually i, I think i think they're going to cover i think they're
0: playing with confidence and i completely agree with Derek earlier i think indianapolis outplayed them for long portions of that football game indianapolis defense really kind of dictated things for a while um their offense left some points on the field that certainly hurt them in, in the red zone but i think buffalo is playing with a lot of confidence um Wouldn't be shocked for a Ravens win, but I'd be uh, relatively surprised. All right, over in the NFC, we'll start with that Rams-Packers game. It's at uh, 6.5, which I'm a little surprised it's only at 6.5. Actually, I thought it might be a little higher than that. Um, Possibly snow up in Green Bay. Jared Goff with the bad thumb. Blake Bortles
2: as the backup. Uh, Derek, what do you think? This is tough. I mean – Every now and then, you always want to pick, you know, a, the L.A. Rams at a cold-weather game. and they don't play well. But, man, it's just so hard for me to pick against McVay. Um, but these are two guys that know each other well. You almost want to give the edge to just the stadium. <laughs> you almost want to give the edge to Lambeau. So I'm going to take Green Bay here. Mark, stadium's going to be empty, though. They're going to have 6,000 fans. Oh, are they having 6,000? 6, 6,000 6,000
0: drunken Wisconsinites,
1: Mark. Can they make enough noise? Uh I think the Rams have won what one road playoff game in the last twenty years or last fifteen years. Uh and that was in a dome, and that was benefited by a you know, relatively egregious non-call. Um I don't know. I think the Packers win going away on this one.
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be really difficult for um for Los Angeles to, to to keep up scoring with, I just, you know, don't, with I just don't. I just don't think.
1: I just don't think they have a chance.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I I actually think. I I think this is going to be another one of those games where I think that defense is going to be keep keeping that game close coming into the second half. I think. Uh, I think maybe towards the end of the third quarter, um, they might start to wear out a little bit, uh, and then finally, uh, a field goal is what the the New Orleans Saints are favored by in that game to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a third straight time. Um, this Derek, this is another one that's we talked about. This is pretty tough.
2: This is pretty tough to call. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the Bucs. I think it's so difficult to beat Tom Brady three times in a year. I know this isn't the New England Tom Brady. It's somewhat different. Um, you know, you don't have Belichick on the on the sideline, and, and that's no slight to Bruce Arians, of course. Um, but I, I, it's really really tough to beat Brady after he's seen your stuff for for two straight times. And we're now with the emergence of Antonio Brown. Yeah. They they it's could good. overpower them. It's like this is gonna be like a you know track meet, I guess you could say for 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 the Bucs. Throw throw your haymakers.
1: It's a lot to defend, Mark. No, it is. There's no doubt about it. But I think that the uh you know, I think Lattimore, we've talked about this, sort of has Mike Evans's number. So now all they gotta do is bottle up Godwin and Brown. And uh yeah. the problem is is that To Derek's point, Arians and their D their D their D.C. just stick to their guns. It's Todd Bowles. Bowles. Yeah. They just stick to their guns. And uh, I have a feeling the Saints are going to come in with kind of a, you know, game plan. That's a little different than they've seen the first two games. See, that's that's the thing. You know, everyone expects. I, I, I don't know how many times I know Cleveland and Pittsburgh played each other three times this year, but they were one and one coming into the playoffs. You know, when's the last time there was a team that was 2 and 0 coming into the playoffs outside of the 1999 Jacksonville Tennessee? I don't I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah. And I don't I don't think as much as I want Tampa Bay and as much as I think Sean Payton doesn't deserve this. Um <laughs> I uh I I'm I'm leaning toward New Orleans. Really? Yeah. I'm a little I, surprised. I hate to say it,
0: I think, uh, and Derek mentioned uh, uh, the uh, Bruce Arians thing. I think Tom Brady's been, become the de facto offensive coordinator of that uh, Tampa Bay offense now that I think he understands. He's more familiar with the people around him. Again, we'll go back to stuff we talked about early on this show. Is you know He has had... You know, not a lot of time with these guys, really, in in football sense, playing with them. And I just think they've gotten better. And I think in the end, in a shootout, which I think it's going to be, because you're right about maybe Todd Bowles will just be very, very stubborn. And Drew Brees, you know, if you give Drew Brees time, he is going to he's going to pick you apart. Uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. And I think that the Bucs can outscore. New Orleans. The only thing that worries me a little is I've seen some things coming out of New Orleans and I have been on the Twitterverse sad to say Derek is I have some things coming out of them where the New Orleans players are talking about they feel like they're being disrespected as a three-point favorite in this game a little bit because Tom Brady and all those offensive uh, all those uh, offensive uh, players Um, so that could that could work to their benefit but I like the Buccaneers in this one as well to pull the only upset of the weekend only favorite that I think is going to win this weekend. So there it is Uh bet against all of my picks. If you want to keep uh, paying your mortgage, because that'll be uh, pretty much, uh, uh, wasn't,
1: wasn't a good, wasn't a terribly good year pick. You wouldn't be a good coach then John, because Derek said coaching is, is gambling. Yeah, yeah I know you, you, you get all of, you know, you, you get all of what they do. You get it all lined up with all the film you've seen. And, and then you decide how, how you know how much of the percentage of the time are they actually going to go with what they normally go with? I'm going to go. I'm going to got to guess.
0: No, I'm going. I should go with my picking when I was like seven or eight years old, and I picked teams because of I liked their uniform better, and the team with the best uniform was always the team I was going to pick. I might as well do that. Uh, so if that's the case. Rams are being white. I like the Green Bay greens better there. Uh, Buffalo's wearing white at home now. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with them as well. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I'm going to pick it exactly the same. I'm going to pick it exactly the same for uniforms. So
1: maybe- you started as a, a fan of laundry when you were a kid, evidently. <laughs> that's yeah, Jerry
0: Seinfeld. With all player movement in Major League Baseball now, you're essentially cheering for laundry.
2: All now, right. Uh, ask, do you like those Rams uniforms, those what they call bone, where it's look like you washed your whites with the colors. I kind of do. I like the helmets a little bit. I don't like
1: the uniforms necessarily.
2: I don't like the numbers changing colors. Yeah. That don't do it for me. But I don't. Their uniform the last year, their home one with the actual the royal blue and the yellow yeah. pant, and the off colored helmet. I thought that was arguably the best looking uniform in football. Outside.
0: I don't disagree, yeah. I don't yeah. disagree at all. And I do like those bone, but I agree with you, I don't necessarily like the numbers. And we've talked about this before on this show teams that change their uniforms have yes. had to, you go back to the Denver Broncos, go back to when Tennessee changed from Man. the Oilers to the Titans, that maybe. Laundry may be the thing that we should be uh, that we should be looking that at. That we should be mostly focused on. I'm going to go
1: with all the favorites, by the way.
2: All right. I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to go back to the uh, block numbers and the gray uh, gray face mask. But I, people in Pittsburgh, they make one uniform change in the city riots. <laughs> they just that, changed the font. They Seriously. They,
1: much, they can't the change font. the font, much yeah. less change a coach. They've had three coaches in 50 years. It's he unbelievable. Over coaches. 50 years.
0: They do. They fear change. By the way, uh, I don't know if you saw, it, but your dad said the re- the way reason he beat you in uh, Madden when you were eight years old was he just let the c- clock run down on every play, and you got so uh, uh, upset as a kid, going, "Come on, let's go. This is taking too long." That's he, he how took he took you me. out of
1: your he took you out of your rhythm. It's, what, would, you talk, it's would, what you're talking. It's what you're talking about. That's he, what a good DC does is take the other team out of their rhythm, right? Their play is Peyton Manning
2: in the Colts in like Madden 0-4 michael was (laughs) unbelievably good he was a cheat code and he would run like iso with edron james and it would be run run and then a play action boot to a fullback and then he would convert it by two yards and he would take the entire first half and all my other friends were playing and it's like you know 45 to it's it's like it's a shootout every game and then he runs iso 17 plays in a row Mark ran, Mark ran that uh,
0: interesting five wide Hail Mary on every play offense uh which again uh, had that had some
1: had success with that at times. Um at times I had so much success John pretended that's all I ever did cuz I always beat him that's all I did. Just
2: run fake field goal put your starting quarterback as the holder it's undefeated.
0: Yes, never, never punt on fourth down either. Mm. Romney is going to get a message from me today, and a little, little PlayStation Four Madden fest going on. Hey, Derek, uh, you know we, you know, you're a friend. We've known you since since you you were young, and uh, not that you're not young now. Mark and I are so old, but uh, we really appreciate you coming on all during the season. I'm sure we'll talk to you next week. Uh, Derek Abbott, folks, he is an assistant football coach at the Coast Guard Academy, where everybody who plays on his team is a better human than us, uh, though. thank you. We've set the bar pretty low. Uh, Thanks so much, Derek. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. So much fun. All right, Mark. uh, Thank you, buddy. Any last words before we get out of here? Raptors got a big win last night. The only thing they needed was nobody in the stands, and and, and it worked well for them. And by the way, folks, this is my one bit of NBA talk. LaMelo Ball, good player, does not take care of the basketball enough. Too many turnovers and bad shots. Needs to improve that, Mark. Any last words?
1: uh uh, it's good that the Raptors have three wins yay uh good stuff we'll eventually talk some NBA it'll be a lot of fun uh you know congratulations to Robert Sala who no one thought was going to go to the Jets I think that's pretty fun uh I'm interested he's he's bringing a 49er coach who's going to bring the Shanahan system as an offensive coordinator Urban Meyer I don't know why people are upset. Not going to work. Pete, Pete Carroll won a national championship in a Super Bowl. So did Barry Switzer. So did Jimmy Johnson. We did saw Barry what, Switzer really. Did Barry Switzer really? We saw what Jim Harbaugh did. I'm, uh, you know, it's one season of right. Nick Saban not doing that well. No, I go it's back unbelievable to unbelievable what people think. Urban Meyer's going to kill. He's got all kinds of draft picks, all kinds of uh, cap space. He's got Trevor Lawrence going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Go Jacksonville.
0: I bet she takes Kyle Trask. For Mark Ferreira, Derek Abbott, I'm John Felke. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.